This is episode 160, featuring injury prevention advice from five of the best distance runners in the world, Sarah Hall, Colleen Quigley, Grayson Murphy, Kate Grace, and Molly Huddle. Welcome back to the Strength Running Podcast. I'm Jason Fitzgerald, and I'll be your host today. Running has been a major part of my life for more than 20 years, and my goal with strength running is to give you the training ideas, the strategies, and resources to accomplish all of your big goals. I also want you to avoid all the mistakes that I made in my own running career. You're going to hear from the leaders in the fitness world, the pro coaches, performance experts, elite runners, sports psychologists, thought leaders, physical therapists, and strength coaches who can give you new insights into this incredible sport. I want you to better understand running, to view knowledge as a competitive advantage, and to always have the tools to take your running to the next level. Because the more you understand the sport, the better decisions you'll make about your training. Don't miss our other 159 episodes of the podcast, our video channel at youtube.com slash strengthrunning, or where it all began, strengthrunning.com, where you can find all of our training programs that help you prevent injuries, run faster, develop mental skills, or become a stronger, more powerful athlete. This episode was created with support from Path Projects, a premium brand of durable running gear that I wear on a nearly daily basis. Seriously, it's rare that I'm not wearing at least one item from Path. The quality is outstanding and the prices can't be beat. Check out all their running gear at pathprojects.com. Okay, runners, I have an interesting episode for you today. We are going to hear from not one, but five guests, some of the fastest women on the planet. Joining me are Sarah Hall, Grayson Murphy, Kate Grace, Colleen Quigley, and Molly Huddle. Together, these women are Olympians, national champions, major marathon winners, American record holders, world champions, mountain runners, middle distance runners, and endurance runners. They represent a broad swath of talent in the United States, and they are here today to give you advice. We all want you to run healthy and pain-free. Our goal with this episode is to give you a variety of injury prevention and recovery ideas so that you can find what works for you. Because elite runners are the gold standard. They're the fastest. They train the most, and they have the most pressure put upon them. So I want you to listen carefully to the prevention approaches that each of these runners discusses. What are the commonalities? What do they all have in common? Where might they differ? What low-hanging fruit could you implement from this episode? And if you dig this episode and want to hear more recovery and prevention advice from pro runners, go to strengthrunning.com slash elites. You can download a collection of essays from nine elite runners on their favorite prevention strategies. It's just like this podcast, except in written form. Go to strengthrunning.com slash elites to get started. Okay. All of the incredible women that I spoke to for this episode were asked one question. What single idea, tool, or strategy is most helpful in keeping you healthy and running injury-free? Let's hear their answers. We're going to start with steeplechase Olympian Colleen Quigley. I love that. 
um, question because I have definitely dealt with some health and injury issues over the course of the last five or so years of my professional career, definitely more so in my pro career than, than in college or in high school. But, um, and it's just a huge part of being like happy in your sport, right. Is being able to be healthy and just running injury free and feeling light and, you know, like no stress and you're not worried about what your body is going to do to keep you back, you know, holding you back rather. So, I love that question. And there's so many things that came to mind when you asked that about so many things that I do as far as like exercises and cross training and PT and just like, gosh, like floods my brain. But, you know, I think the one, if I had to choose one thing that really sticks out um, to me is the mental health aspect. Um, Injury itself is such a struggle with mental health to keep yourself positive and moving forward and feeling like I'm going to get through this. I'm going to get better. I'm going to get back to running. Um, you know, you're away from your, away from your team, away from your support system, usually when you're injured. So, um, that's just been mental health has been really big for me. Um, and something that in the past year or so I've really focused on more and actually started working with a mental coach about a year ago. And that's been a game changer for me. It's the biggest thing that that we work on is not changing me or getting me to be someone else or to change who I am, but it's getting back to my true self and getting back to like that, you know, that young girl who started running and like why she did that and not getting caught up in all the other stuff that kind of gets piles on along the way Um, and getting back to like that light, free, happy um, joyful running me that, you know, that I originally was. And that's just been amazing. And something that now I'm telling everyone, you know, you should be focusing on as much as time as you spend on your physical body and doing, you know, running, but doing exercises and like cross training and strength training. And there's so much time that we spend on our physical bodies. And then, you know, we all know that running is a lot mental and we don't, practice that and, um, work on that nearly as much as our physical bodies. So that's my, that's my big one. If I had to pick one strategy to help keep me happy, healthy, running injury free, it'd be, um, really working on my mindset. I would love to talk a little bit more about how this strategy helps you stay healthy. Are you saying that focusing on your mental health Does that give you a new or maybe better perspective on training so that you make wiser training decisions? How is this bleeding into your training so that it keeps you healthy? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, when I'm feeling confident and feeling good, I'm much less likely to kind of do those things that I know I shouldn't do. Like, oh, my foot's kind of hurting today, but I'm panicking about that. And I'm like feeling like I'm behind and I have to do the second run. And so I go out there and do the double and run an extra 40 minutes in the afternoon, even though my foot's sore from the workout in the morning. And I probably should just get in the pool or take an afternoon off. Um, But, you know, my mental state is, is so stressed out and um, feeling like almost like panicky so that I, I don't make those sound decisions for like what's really best for me because I'm not coming from a place of confidence and calm. I'm coming from a place of insecurity and stress and anxiety. And so, yeah, you make bad decisions and then, you know, you do that enough that your little niggle becomes a full blown injury because 
you know, you just didn't listen to your body the way that, you know, you should, but, uh, you know, you didn't. Yeah, that's so interesting. And I I was going to ask you if, you know, you're not in a good mental spot and you're either afraid that you won't perform really well, or you're just really anxious that maybe your fitness isn't where you want it to be, or you're stressed about something that's going on in your life. If those emotions would make you much more likely to, you know, maybe go for a run when you weren't really ready for that run or to push through a workout when you shouldn't have. But it seems like that's exactly what you're saying is that when you're in a poor mental spot, then you're just more likely to overlook the signals that your body is trying to tell you and all those signs that you should maybe pull back a little bit and take it easy. Yeah, absolutely. You just can't make good decisions um, when you're, you don't have that clarity. Um, I also know as far as performance, like I, I know that I don't perform as well when I'm not in a good headspace, when I'm not happy, when things are all jumbled up in, you know, in my brain, I'm stressed out about something else, whether, whether or not it's even related to running. Um, you know, it could be something going on in my personal life is hindering me from being able to come to practice, feeling excited to work hard and ready to challenge myself, um, and focus on the job at hand. So there's just so many things that, um, can hold you back from making good decisions, but also being able to perform it, you know, at your best that is all controlled by your noggin. Now let's hear from the sixth fastest American marathoner of all time, Sarah Hall. The biggest thing that's helped me stay injury free is, um, doing gua sha like scraping on my muscles every day before I run. Um, so I use a tool called a sidekick tool and, um, they have like a range of different tools, but, um, all of them work for being able to work through the fascia and also the muscles, um, every day. So when I wake up, I, um, I eat breakfast and then I go straight into, to that. And I just work through, um, my legs all over and especially spending more time on areas that are more tight. And, um, I've just found that just brings great blood flow to my legs and I'm starting to run just a lot more mobile and I'm not like hobbling when I'm marathon training or, um, I might still do that a little bit, but like, um, in general, I'm, I'm moving a lot better starting out and, um, just starting the run from a a much better place. Yeah. It sounds like this is really helpful for you. And can you remind me again, what the name of the tool is? Yeah, it's called a sidekick tool and they have um, a number of different tools. Um, I really like echo and bow are probably my favorites, but, um, but they have other ones as well. And they all work similarly with gua sha as well as they have some um, like larger balls with vibration that you can, um, I really like for like the lower back and working through kind of the, the muscles along your spine. So is this kind of prehab work that you're doing, is this keeping you healthy because, you know, you're basically pre-preparing your legs to go out running before you even take a single stride? Like what is happening that is helping you prevent injuries that this tool is giving you? Yeah, it's just getting everything to glide a lot better. So getting your fascia kind of is like, like cellophane around your muscles. And, um, and so working the fascia and getting it to kind of glide better along the muscles as well as, um, 
just bringing blood flow to the muscles. Like that just means like you're not going to be running through as much soreness, tightness. Like you're not going to be, uh, your stride is going to be more open and free. And so all of that is going to decrease injuries. Um, and I think also it's like, I just found, you know, before this, I just relied a lot on massage therapists. So I was like paying a ton for massage. If I was like traveling somewhere, like I had to like find a massage person, even though I didn't know anyone in the area. And this just made it so much easier to be able to take care of myself. And I still get professional massage and that's been really important part of my injury prevention. But this allows me to be able to take care of myself a lot more frequently and easily and more cost effectively. Yeah, it certainly sounds like it's saving you a lot of money so you don't have to get professional massages done, you know, every week or so. Now, what if someone doesn't have access to these tools? Is there another way that runners could get a similar type of benefit without investing in this specific tool? Yeah, um, you know, I think you could probably find some items. I've tried to find items before to to use for scraping. I, you know, the tools, they have some that are not very expensive. They're like $50 or so, which that is like, like less than the price of one massage, you know? So I think it's a worthwhile investment, but if not, um, I think trying to find something that you can kind of work through your muscles with, and then at the very least getting like a softball or something like that, that you can do rolling on or, or your Nalgene water bottle or, you know, something, um, before a run, I think is, is really key. You can do it after the run as well. And I think that has its own benefit, but I found really, um, making sure I, my muscles are in a good place before the run helps me stay healthy. Yeah, totally. Now, are you doing any other warm-up activities before you head out for a run or are you just massaging your legs with this tool? Not really. I, I might do a couple activation things like, um, for my glutes, like, you know, sticking my knee into like the wall kind of things, or just like putting my heart arms above my head to like get some mobility in my upper body. But but very little. I found when I can do the scraping, that's about all I need. Great. I, I think it's fantastic that you have found what works for you individually. And, you know, with your career, you're probably you've been running for over 20 years now, and you've really dialed into the thing that you can do before your run that not only helps you stay healthy and prevent, you know, some big injury, but also that just makes you feel good. So that when you start your run, you just feel a lot better than if you just did nothing. So I think that's just a great example of listening to your body, knowing yourself as a runner and taking the steps that you need to take to stay healthy in the long term. Totally. Yeah. I mean, enjoying your run is, is worth it in, in itself, even if it didn't prevent injury, just feeling better out there. Next, I asked national road mile champ, Kate Grace, how she prevents injuries. The thing that I think is just an overarching idea that um, helps guide my training is this idea of quality over quantity or thinking, really thinking about what the purpose is for each session. Uh, this definition or this idea of um, kind of really identifying the purpose for each session, that's new. That's actually from my um, sports psych, Brian Zuliger, who I've been working with, but I realized I've actually been implementing it for years now. And what I'm, what I mean when I say that is um, I just think so many times people end up 
getting in this trap of feeling like we need to tick all the boxes. We need to go for this run. We need to get our miles in or do whatever cross training or strength training we need to do. But we kind of forget what, why we're actually doing it, right? Like we're not training to train. We're training for a race. We're training for, uh, I guess, long-term health or um, whatever, happiness. Like try, there's lots of other objectives for training and the objective is not to get 70 miles in this week, right? Like that is the path to the objective. And people get, I think, too much into the weeds there where they just, yeah, they get so stuck in, or I do this, get stuck in trying to, yeah, have everything be perfect. And I think a lot of times what happens is then when something is feeling off or when you're not feeling as good, or when you actually um, need a little bit of a recovery day, it's harder to make those adjustments because you think the purpose of your day is just to get that run in when really the purpose is how am I going to best prepare myself for this race three months from now? And if you always ask yourself that question before your run, then maybe it actually needs to change, or maybe you need to do a little bit, something a little bit different, or you don't need to fit in, like cram in some extra, uh, random cross-training situation. Um, again, I just think that like keeping that long-term perspective all the time um, just helps, I think, with the humility of it and just like being able to take things out when necessary. Um, for me personally, that was something I think that start I started to lose a little bit at the start of COVID. Um, and I wasn't thinking, okay, what is, um, I wasn't preparing for each session. I wasn't kind of like each session I wasn't engaged in. It was more, it was, it was just chaotic. I was going out for runs. I wasn't uh, warming up. And when I found myself in that kind of chaos, I feel I, I, yeah, I wasn't, I was doing no warm up for my runs. And so that was like, uh, and again, this is the kind of the idea that it, my runs weren't quality. I wasn't putting in that extra five minutes to do that, to do the rolling or to um, like shake out my feet or whatever. And I ended up, getting an Achilles injury um, just because I think I kind of wasn't paying attention to my body that it was hurting, you know, and I actually, that I actually needed to adjust some things. Um, And again, this was the start of COVID when this happened. And I think it is also really hard to kind of pay attention to those cues when the rest of your life is when it feels like there's chaos going on in the rest of your life. Right. Because we feel like we want to, um, we, we, we want the running or the exercise to be that one area where we can control or we can get out and just like get out all of our emotions. Um, but if we don't keep in mind again, what the purpose is, what, what the long-term driver is, um, I just think it's so easy to fall into those traps of, of taking the shortcut today, um, but actually shooting ourselves in the foot metaphorically, but actually sometimes not um, for the long run. Yeah. And it seems like this strategy here is almost a little bit difficult to execute on because as runners, we are so often overly focused on the metrics of our training. It's on the workout splits. It's on the daily mileage total, the weekly mileage. Is there a way that you have found to make this a little bit easier so that you're not so overly focused on just the numbers behind your training? I mean, two things. One, which I'm not great at, but I, uh, I've been trying more to put in each day, literally in my log, write the purpose for that day. So that's just, again, one thing that 
Dr. Silver is telling me to do, which I'm like doing part of the time, but uh, basically, yeah. So for that day, write the purpose of that day and just kind of gets you in the mindset to think it's not just about the time that I was out there, right? It's like, what was, was this a recovery day? Was this, was I trying to go harder today? And that way we kind of get ourselves out of that trap of just going like medium hard all the time, you know? Um, And so even just, just noticing again, yeah, the purpose of that day and the purpose can literally be then, I was feeling kind of crappy. My purpose for today was to run easier so that I can be better for the workout tomorrow, you know? And then in that sense, it almost by logging it, it kind of gets me out of that need. Uh, I don't know. It, it, it makes it seem like it actually has a purpose, which I mean, it does. Uh, and I guess the other thing I do, which is a little bit of a trick, which I don't know, people, some people might not like this, but sometimes if I literally am just like that week, I just, it's stuff is hurting and I like, I need a little bit of time off. I will go for a really easy, like literally like a walk jog, like super, super simple, like almost not like literally like maybe walking to the store or doing a little jog or doing some kind of like kind of cross training. But again, it's the most minimal thing. Like literally I would do a dance class or something and I'll log that though. I'll log the hour. Um, and I think the way what that helps, it helps me because it allows me to, in my like kind of OCD mind, be like, okay, I got my however many hours of cardio this week that I need, but really like it was a little sneaky. I'm like, I actually wasn't doing like a super hard workout that day. But um, I think just by, by logging that one walk jog or like kind of goofy dance class as a cardio session, um, it's almost like a cheat. It's like, okay, I can get my login. I can hit my quote unquote numbers this week, but actually I was giving myself a rest that day. I love that. You are essentially giving yourself permission to do something that you would ordinarily consider extremely easy. But in this moment in time, you actually need that super easy quote unquote workout. I don't know if we can call it a workout, but you know, this is a a run walk that for you is just so easy and simple to execute on. But at the same time, it's what your body needs. And, And I think the writing it down is really powerful because it number one gives you permission to do it. And then it kind of allows you to think that, Hey, I did something you know, in terms of training today, even though you kind of really didn't. And I love that. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly it. Our next athlete is Grayson Murphy, a phenom who won the 2019 World Mountain Running Championships in her debut. The first thing that comes to mind is kind of playing the long big picture game all the time. Um, In college, I think I was really lucky to have some college coaches that really reinforced the idea of sustainable training and running. And like, I want to be doing this when I'm quite a bit older. And the only way to do that is to really focus on being sustainable right now and not trying to take shortcuts. And my coach, um, my first college at Santa Clara, one thing he said that really stuck with me was don't get greedy. And he meant that in kind of an interesting way. Like if you hit 60 miles and that's a record for you, don't suddenly get greedy and try and go for 65 miles the next week. Um, Just kind of really be cognizant of what you're doing moving forward and don't always be trying to best yourself. Um, Don't get greedy with it and don't get overly zealous and think you can just 
continue to improve with an upward curve and no um, injuries. And I think that has proved to be really kind of a main line of my training so far is just always shoot for the end game and always err on the side of being a little more conservative and cautious, even if that means maybe the next race isn't as fast as I could have been if I'd really pushed the envelope. At least I'm healthy and running after that race. And I think that's the fact that I haven't had any huge injuries, knock on wood, (laughs) and big periods where I've been out has been kind of a testament to that. I think of just making sure that consistency kind of trumps all. Um, I can think of a couple times when maybe we did get greedy and that consistency was sacrificed and I did end up getting hurt and had small stints and my time in Flagstaff was peppered with some little injuries of overtraining. And I think that was kind of a product of just trying to do too much, too much change all at once, um, too many different new stimuli. And that kind of really slapped me in the face with like, this is, you weren't doing what you were doing before, which was playing the sustainable long-term game. And look what happened. You got these little injuries and you weren't able to be as consistent. So I think, yeah, moving forward, my goal is just to be pretty stable and not have huge high highs and huge low lows. Cause I think in the end it will net me to a better place um, as opposed to taking some shortcuts, training really hard, maybe getting some great race results in there, but then burning out or being too injured to continue to make this into a long career. So that would be my number one thing moving forward is just sustainability. Well, I'm the running coach that is always talking about the value of consistency in your training. So this really resonates with me. And I was someone who had a coach in high school who preached the same thing, you know, talking about the value of your long-term progress and really putting value on tomorrow's run instead of today's run. And that longer-term perspective, I think, is really helpful in getting runners not to bite off more than they can chew or maybe run too much distance before they're ready for it. Uh, and, And I think this is often very difficult for runners, right? Because, you know, we want to run more, we want to go faster, we want to, you know, kind of do all the things that make us excited as runners. Um, Do you have any practical strategies for knowing when to pull back a little bit when to prioritize the long term? Are you often finding yourself in those uncharted waters of wow, I'm running higher mileage than I ever have. Maybe I just ran a personal best last week or this workout's way faster than I usually do it. What are some of those red flags that tell you, okay, maybe I shouldn't keep pushing and pushing right now? Yeah, I think a couple big red flags off the bat is if I'm really overly tired, um, that means usually I've been stressing out too much. So if I'm really overly tired for several days in a row. That's kind of a sign to pull back. Um, And then I think really paying attention to the periodization of the training. So there can be weeks that are really big weeks. And two weeks ago, I ran my first ultra marathon distance um, long run. It wasn't a race, but yeah, so that was a big stress stimulus on me. And so I made sure that the following week it was a little bit lower just to compensate for that. And 
So I think as long as you net balance out and you can have big weeks, but make sure that you have some smaller weeks in there too, so that you're kind of averaging out to a more sustainable middle ground, then that's okay. And just paying attention to energy levels and mood too has been a big one for me. If I feel like I'm super unmotivated and just really don't want to go for a run, that's usually a sign for me that something else is going on too. Like maybe I'm a little bit in the hole because usually I'm pretty excited about training. So kind of mood and energy levels combined with looking at how are we periodizing the training has been my barometer proxy for how I can make sure it's more sustainable moving forward. Yeah, this sounds like a really nice way of listening to your body and really understanding the signs that, you know, it's trying to tell you. Is this something that gets easier as you get older and have more experience as a runner, just understanding the language that your body is is t- is talking to you in and what some of those signs mean? Yeah, and I think it's definitely been getting easier. I think part of it too, I've noticed um, the older I get, the more blatantly obvious the signs are. When you're younger, when you're 19, 20 in college, you feel like you can run every run at 6.30 and you never get tired and you just are endlessly full of energy. And uh, now I'm older a little bit and it just, I can tell more often that I'm not full of that endless energy and my body definitely needs those breaks. Um, so it's been easier, but I think my body has also made it harder for me to ignore the signs the older I get, which has been a good lesson because I'm learning now to slow down on easy days and just really make sure that I am taking the time to recover before I try and hit it hard. Um, and on the flip side of that coin, I know if I don't take it easy, I can't run as fast the next day or as fast as I want to. So there's a good incentive to really take those easy days easy so I can run harder and faster on the days that count. I love this. This is a discussion about balance. And I think you can't stay healthy. You can't prevent all your injuries if you don't have balance in your training. This was great, Grace. And thank you so much. Thank you. Finally, let's hear from former American 5K record holder and current American record holder in the 10K, Molly Huddle. Yeah, that's definitely the most important part of the progression in your fitness. I feel like every year when I lay out my goals, goal number one is stay healthy. And then under that are all the little bullet points for like reminders of the daily things I need to do to hit that goal. Um, Because it is like injury prevention is one of those things that you have to keep on top of a little bit every day. And if it gets away from you too much or if you let it slide as far as pre-run um you know mobility drills or um foam rolling or activation drills it kind of catches up to you and all of a sudden something hurts (laughs) and you have to take time off so um pretty much any runner who's tried to get faster at all will hit one of those injury roadblocks um unfortunately so it's just distance running, especially as a sport that has a lot of repetitive motion. And the longer the event you train for, like the marathon, for example, the more you're going to notice all that stuff crop up um, from just overusing the same muscles again and again. So so that's why I guess I would say for me, um, I could like narrow it down to three 
areas to focus on. And I'd say the first one is like the stuff you can do at home before you run as far as um, like foam rolling and your own tissue work. So I know there's tools you can use to kind of replicate like a Graston technique or I like um, I have a really great foam roller. It's by Add a Day with little bumps on it. It's like the like black belt of foam rollers. <laughs> so it's kind of painful, but that's really great at IT band stuff or large areas like quads, upper back. Um, I like a scraping tool that I have for things like my, um, I have some issues with my, uh, most of my issues are lower leg and feet. So I use it on my shins and peroneal muscle. And um, I also like a lacrosse ball. I travel with, if I could only pick one thing to travel with, it would be my lacrosse ball, honestly, because I have a lot of lower back tightness. And so the lacrosse ball is like the best thing to get in there. Um, and it's great for any glute stuff and it's small enough for like the bottom of your feet. So that's kind of just like one of those things that I always have with me. Um, and so I'll do, I have like a routine of like, I know what my traditional problem areas are as far as muscles that are always tight, muscles that are always weak, just kind of what my movement pattern has created over the years. And so I spend you know, maybe 10 minutes, 10 to 15 minutes before every run, kind of working that out with tissue work. And then I move on to kind of the activation side. So I'd say that's kind of the one number one thing I do. But then the second thing is the um, stuff I do in the weight room to kind of reinforce all these imbalances that you can pick up while doing mileage. Um, And so it's not, I do a little tiny bit of heavy lifting, but most of it is, you know, things you would do in the physical therapist's office. I just, I do them at home like three times a week. So it's things like, um, you know, just because of my posture, I have weak, um, like the particular weak area in my core is transverse abs. So I know that because I've seen, you know, a lot of PTs and a lot of chiropractors and, and that's what they've told me. So when I'm at home, you know, I really, choose those exercises. Or if I have, um, let's say you have, you know, an issue where you're just not really using your glutes, like that'd be something you would focus on three times a week. So kind of like tailor making that strength training plan and kind of sticking to it and reevaluating it every couple months, I think is, is probably like the second most important thing you can do. Um, and then thirdly is actually seeing, like checking in with, uh, someone like, like me, for me, the gold standard is chiropractic care, especially if they do, um, like ART type muscle work. Um, I just feel like for running, that's really great. And, um, I see probably all the other athletes are talking to as well. I see Dr. John Ball down in Phoenix, Arizona. So he's been a great resource my whole career. Um, and physical therapist too, to check in and just, you know, make sure you're doing your exercises correctly, maybe add some new ones, maybe you get good at something and they take one off your routine. I feel like you can kind of like with those three things, just always keep up on the um, injuries before they get off the tracks. So that's what that's kind of what I've been doing the last like decade to keep most luckily most of the injuries at bay. 
What I really love about this, Molly, is that you are, number one, recognizing that this is an ongoing practice. This is not something that you do once or you think about only at one point during the season. It really is a daily practice to put injury prevention front and center in your training. And then the other thing, too, is that you are not just checking all the boxes, but you are tailoring what you're doing to your unique biomechanical inefficiencies or problem areas that you typically have problems in. So I think it's a very, not only well-rounded approach, but it's also more specific to your unique needs. And, and I think that's probably one of the more effective approaches if you want to stay healthy long-term as a runner. Yeah, I think if um, it just makes it sustainable if you pick the ones that really have the most impact for you. Because if I did every exercise I was ever told to do, I'd be in the gym for like 12 hours a day. <laughs> it's just, it gets to be a long list. Um, so yeah, I pick the ones that are really hitting the weakest areas and that I find work the best for me. And hopefully other people can kind of pinpoint those and get their routine really boiled down to like an efficient, like 10 minutes. Do you find that it takes a long time for you to understand where your weak areas are and how to address those areas? Is is this an an area where experience as a runner and just getting to know your body really helps you? I think so. I think most runners, you're just with your body for so long that like when you're out on a run, it's like an hour where you're really noticing like, you know, oh, my left hip really just doesn't feel right every single step. But Sometimes it's not until you go in to see um, like a chiropractor or a doctor or physical therapist that they point out like, oh, what you're feeling was actually tightness because this muscle over here was weak. So it's I find the patterns I had to learn, like where the chain was like starting. Um, But I do now that I kind of I know that I can kind of zoom in pretty quickly and say, okay, like I feel this that I know it's coming from here. I feel that I know it's coming from there. Wow, you just made me totally rethink how I think about this because you mentioned patterns. And in hindsight, when we look back on our training and all the injuries that we've gotten over the years, there usually is some kind of pattern that leads to the injury. And, you know, I'm always telling my runners, you got to keep a training log, you can't just wing it. And one of the big reasons is if you do get injured, or even if you have a breakthrough performance, you can look back on your training and see the patterns that either led to that injury or maybe led to that breakthrough. And it's in learning to recognize those patterns that you do get to know your body a lot better. So I I just love that, Molly. Thanks for helping me get a, a new perspective on that. I think that's really valuable. Yeah, I think, um, you know, our bodies are made to run and we should be able to handle actually a higher load than we think we can. So I think just finding those patterns and fixing them will kind of unlock like the amount of work you really can handle. Yeah. And that is really critical to knowing, you know, where you should be stopping with your training is just knowing, you know, where your limits are. And I know for me, it took about a decade of running really consistently for me to actually know what those limits were. But uh, I think it's a very valuable exercise because it will help runners be able to stay healthy in the long term. And I think that's something we all want. Definitely. And that rounds out our injury prevention episode featuring these five elite runners. A big thanks to Colleen, Sarah, Kate, Grayson, and Molly for sharing their time and wisdom with the strength running community. Now, I've always been fascinated, some might say borderline obsessed, with how elite runners train and schedule their running. Because after all, if you're going to learn about running, why not do it from the best runners in the world? So whenever I get a chance 
to learn about how the elites train, I jump at the opportunity. Just to see the daily recovery strategies from pro runners is exciting. These are athletes who are running 100 plus miles per week and competing at the highest levels of the sport. For them, staying healthy is a job requirement. And I'm so glad that I was able to bring their guidance to you. Now, don't forget that you can download a free guide featuring the advice from nine more pro runners, including Dathan Ritzenhine, Amelia Boone, Max King, Ian Sharman, David Roche, and others at strengthrunning.com elites. Finally, another big thanks to Path Projects for supporting this podcast. I am rolling in path gear right now, and I wouldn't have it any other way. I just couldn't resist. Their stuff is so comfortable. Recently, I got another two base liners because you never have too many pairs of base liners, two more t-shirts, and another pair of the Sykes 5-inch shorts. These are like my unofficial weekend uniform. They work great for errands, chores, hikes, playing with the kids, yard work, you name it. So if you are in the market for some new running gear, whether that's shorts, base liners, or shirts, I highly recommend Path Projects. Now, you've probably noticed that I'm wearing a lot of their stuff in my latest YouTube videos. It's so good that I wear their stuff whenever it's clean. And now that we've partnered for so many months, I can confidently say that after wearing their gear for months, it is durable. The shorts that I wear probably two or three times a week look amazing with no visible signs of wear months and months later. And I think that's because they use this Japanese fiber called Tore Prime Flex. It's strong, it's light, and it's very durable. And what I love about Path is that they're online only. They don't have any retail markup, so their stuff is pretty affordable. I can't say enough good things about this company, so I hope you'll see what they're all about at pathprojects.com. That's it for our show today, runners. Thank you so much for being here. I appreciate you sharing this episode, leaving a review, and of course, just spending some time with me. We'll be in touch soon. 